Hey, welcome to Community Church in Spruce Grove. No matter where you're coming from, whether you're coming from Ireland or Africa or Asia or right here in Spruce Grove, there is, every time we gather together, whether we're separated by time, you know what? Jesus is not limited to space and time. We know that from some of the miracles where the centurion said, listen, just say the word and it'll be done for it my servant who is sick. He's not here right now, but it doesn't matter. So you're not here right now, but it doesn't matter. As we go into worship, as we begin to worship God, realize that there's a river of living water that flows in your being, inside of you. And as you join with us today, that, that, that beautiful effervescence of the spirit of life is going to start to flow from your life. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to know him, then ask him today to reveal himself to you and begin to seek him. But if you're here today and you're joining us because you're already a believer, I want to say worship God in spirit and in truth because something of the kingdom of heaven is being advanced every time you open your mouth. Every time you worship him, every time we acknowledge him. So we say, Lord, have your glory. 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 glory." Listen, listen, as we sing this. As we sing this one more time, realize we're not just doing something for ourselves. But when we, in faith, make these declarations, we're actually pulling some of that reality from heaven into the earth. When you sing, God, you are good, you are are bringing an atmosphere, a truth, a reality to superimpose it on the present regime, on the present world. This is how the kingdom of God comes down to the earth. It's when believing people aren't just singing songs sentimentally, but they're saying it in such a way that it's creating a a prophetic reality. Our God is good. His goodness is running after us. His goodness is going to flow on this nation. His goodness is going to flow on our cities. His goodness is going to flow on Canada. It's going to fill the earth. Father, I declare today for everybody who's listening right now, for everybody who will hear this broadcast, I pray that the goodness of God, that something of the life of heaven, the promise of God that says that you will lead us in the path of life, I pray right now that that path of life, that eternal life, that scent and aroma of Jesus Christ, of resurrection, would invade the room where you're at, will invade your emotions, will invade the reality that you're facing right now as fear and worry and anxiety and the weight of the situation that faces you, the overwhelmingness of it, that the life of God will show you that there is resurrection. There is an ability to come up into another way of living That's what Jesus is about. He is about the resurrection and the life. He is about releasing you from death 
into life, from defeat into victory. So, Father, today we say in Jesus' name, let the supremacy of resurrection life transcend every other aspect, every other philosophy, every other feeling in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I don't know how many of you out there watching today, but uh, so glad to be able to come to you as community church. You know, and the constituency that we're looking at is is larger than Spruce Grove here. It extends way beyond. But let me tell you, uh, the Lord has a word for you today. The Lord has a word for you today. So get your hearing and listening ears on right now. Now, as, as I'm about to share this, I want to say this, that, that there's a certain ab- ability and there's a certain inability to hear what God is saying. And God is inviting you today to get the most of what he's doing in the earth. Do you want to get the most of what God is doing? I mean, uh, what if, if you had gone to a bargaining table and you were getting a raise for a new job and you found out after the fact that your boss was willing to give you twice what you settled for, you would feel a little ripped off. Well, what if you could have twice the quality of life that you have right now? What if your emotional well-being could be twice as good as it is right now? What if everything, what if, what if by, 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 by default we are leaving some of the promise on the table that God wants us to have? So I'm praying today. As I get into this word, as I share something, and it's a very simple word. And for Christians, you've heard this before, but let me tell you, it, it may, it's simple in that it's plain, but it's profound in that there's a mystery behind it that we have not fully entered into. So I want to read it to you. It's in Matthew 11, and it's a promise you've heard before. It's verse 28 and 29. Let me read it quickly. It says this, Jesus is speaking to a religious society, to a people who are who are caught up in having to obey the law, having to obey uh, something that's impossible to to obey and thinking that they should be getting more out of this. But all they're getting in reality is tired, weary. They're getting, they're heavy laden. They are exhausted with the demands of the law upon their lives. And this is what he says. He says, come to me, all you who labor, And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, you might be sitting there, and you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I really want to take on another yoke, but this is not taking on another yoke. This is exchanging the yoke that you already have that you may not know you have. Jesus is actually talking to a people and saying, listen, there is a yoke that is upon your life. There is a heaviness that is upon your life. There is a, there is a demand that's pulling upon you, and whether you realize it or not, you're doing everything you can to rise up above it. And um, I remember years ago when we were, uh, my wife was working downtown and she said she was pregnant with our first child. She said she was on the escalator at lunchtime going up in, uh, in this downtown mall and uh, there was a, a street person in front of them that was a little bit unstable. 
And she turned around and she pushed my wife. And my wife almost stumbled down and she, it scared her. She was, uh, she was, I mean, she was really bothered by it. But I started to think about it that time. It's, what is it that causes people to get to that place in life where all they have is a bag of belongings or maybe a, a, a blanket or they're pushing around carts in downtown Edmonton or in the city in which you live. What is it what is it that causes somebody to capitulate on life to the point where all that they emotionally can handle, mentally can handle, is is a handful of belongings and the next five minutes of every day. The reality is we are all in some ways in the same boat. And maybe the metron of what we can think about is slightly larger than a than a basket full of clothing in, in the next five minutes of our life. But this is this is what I'm saying to you. The kingdom of God is saying to you, you are called to rule and reign with God. You are called to rule over many cities. God is actually calling and raising up a people who have a capacity to deal with life, a capacity to deal with circumstances beyond our imagination. And what the enemy and what death and what these pressures are doing is they're backing us up into a corner. And you might be watching today and you might be thinking, you know, I've got I've got one child. Or I've got two childs and I work part time. And but I, I, it's emotionally all I can handle. And I'm not even sure I can handle this. There are men today that have walked out on families because emotionally you can't handle more uh, or any of the situations. The pressure of having to to fend for a family. To, to, to live this life with the, the boss that's on top of you and the bill collectors and, and the rest of those things. Life is caving in on you and you're thinking, I would love to back up into a corner that is, you know, just taking care of a handful of items. But I'm telling you, that's not the only option for you today. That's not our only option. And this is scripture is what Jesus is talking about. Saying, listen, there, there is an ability to deal with the pressures of life that comes not from your capacity to handle intellectually the pressures or the emotional stability because we don't, all, we don't all start from the same place. And I know there are a lot of people that are emotionally unstable, but often they're emotionally unstable because they've been broken by life already. They've been molested. They've been grown up in, in a dysfunctional home. They haven't had fathers. They haven't had mothers. They've lost family. They've been tragic circumstances, situations. They haven't been, it hasn't been taught to them how to live. Modeling parenthood has not been there for them. They haven't. So we don't all start from the same place. And you might be a person who's thinking, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I seem to be a lot better off than most people. I guess I'm just a better person. Well, let me tell you, your situation has been afforded to you by somebody else. But it goes even further. Jesus is saying, listen, I have even a much better situation for you. I want to give you the ability to have life and have it more abundantly beyond your imagination. Now, let me try and explain this really briefly. In Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve were born into a perfect world. And they were born into this world, and they had this relationship with God. They had a face-to-face connection with God. And God said to them, he, he said, listen, you can do, do anything in this garden. I'm giving you full ability. You have you have autonomy to do whatever you want with any of the plants. I want you to tend the garden. I want you to keep it. I want you to, to, to do what you need to do. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's one thing you can't do. You can't eat of this one tree. There's a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And its fruit is death. And so the day that you eat of it, death is going to enter into. Now, I could say a lot about that. But here's what happened. They, they, they disobeyed. 
Adam and Eve both ate of that tree. And something called death entered into the equation of our universe. Here's what happened. There was always two kingdoms. There was a kingdom of darkness and there was a kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness was ruled over an angelic being that, that fell from heaven. And uh, he, was, he, was, he, he was ruling over the kingdom, what we could now call the kingdom of darkness. And what God was saying is, listen, you can follow your own way. You can follow your own course. You can do it your way. You can walk in your strength. You can have absolute autonomy. But if you do that, you become cut off from everything that I am. He's saying, listen, there are resources in me, the most significant of which is this. The most significant resource that I have is eternal life. I am life. I am love and I am life. Not only that, but I am good. I am the very epitome of goodness. Now, you might remember if you know the story that the serpent, when he lied to, to Eve, he said, he said, uh, he says, he sort of threw out a suggestion that the reason why God said don't eat of that tree was because God was trying to keep something from them. He, it's because this is, the, this is the basis on which the kingdom of darkness operates. Fear, suspicion, and particularly an envy and jealousy over God's position and role in the universe. So he's always casting aspersions. He's always casting doubt, casting suspicion on our beautiful heavenly father. And so what happened when Adam and Eve obeyed that, they, they, they entered into a kind of a covenant with darkness and death. And here's what they lost. They lost the sustaining power of eternal life. The sustaining power of eternal life is such that nothing ever dies. Death only entered in because you became cut off from eternal life. Now that thing that would have sustained you forever and ever and ever is not there. You are no longer sustained. Now, that plays out actually in many ways. The life of God sustains absolutely everything in creation. The Bible says this. It says, and you've heard me say this before, likely if you've been around here. The Bible says that he can open his hand and satisfy the need of every living thing. Now, I talk a lot about politics. I talk a lot about macroeconomics and the things that are going on in the world. But let me tell you, there's a reason why the West has been so prosperous. And the, and the reason isn't because they stole everything from everybody else. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, there's always injustice all through down through history in every nation. Whether it was the First Nations before we came here, or it was the tribes of Africa, or was it, whether it was Asia, whether it was the Middle East, there's always been war. There's always been people taking things from other people. But the disparity between those who have things and those who haven't, don't have things has been marked in the last 100 to 200 years, where the Western Hemisphere has prospered immensely beyond imagination, and people have tried to figure out, okay, why is this? Why are the reasons, what are the reasons that the West has been so prosperous? And of course, some, somebody's always looking for a political angle in order to advance a cause or uh, an ideology that's destructive. But let me tell you this, faith open ups, faith opens up the provision of eternity. Faith opens up. You see, 
when we are worshiping here at a time like this, when we're saying, when we're, when we're turning our hearts toward God, we're saying, God, you are good. You are good. I believe you are good. We are actually, the place that is called our heart is turning towards him. And the thing about the heart is this. The heart is the vehicle through which you, you pull in strength to your being. You pull in the life energy. And your, your heart is either set on yourself or it's set on God. And when you have faith, you, you actually get to participate in a perfect energy system. He says this. He said, listen, there are many out there, you're, you're tired, you're weary. You're, the world is caving in on you. You don't know what to do. I'm telling you, what I have is this. What I have is an endless energy system that is able to sustain you, not only to sustain you, but to make everything easy so that the yoke that you take on you, the obligation that you have, the one that I put upon you, even to be good, even to be perfect, none of that is beyond you because you're not doing it yourself. You're tapping into an e- to a spiritual ecosystem that supplies everything that's necessary for life and godliness. See, Christianity isn't I'm better than you. Christianity is a decision to say, I believe that God is good. I believe that God paid the price for my art, what, it, what ails us. I believe that Jesus is redeeming me. And so I am turning my trust away from myself and on to him. And when I turn my trust on to God, then everything that's in his kingdom begins to flow towards me. Now, think about it this way. You think, well, yeah, if that were true, then all Christians would be the same. If that were true, then all Christians' life would be equally perfect. But no, that's not the case because what we need is faith. And what Jesus talked about almost, you know, the whole time of his ministry was he talked about little faith and great faith. He talked about weak faith and he talked about strong faith. And when he saw extraordinary faith, not only did he celebrate it, but he, he praised it and he put it up as an icon for others to look at. So one time, there's a centurion who, who's, uh, and I referenced it earlier in our worship, he, his, his servant was sick and he came to Jesus and he said, my servant is sick. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come and heal him. He said, oh, no, not necessary. You know, just speak the word. Like, I don't even need you to do anything fancy. I don't need you to go and lay hands on. I don't need you to do a ceremony, a ritual, or anything. Just speak the word. And, I mean, Jesus is marveling. He's like, what is this? I have not seen faith like this anywhere. That he not, This man understands that the power of the kingdom of God is not coming from me as a solo individual, but is coming from a place in heaven. I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. Anywhere I... There's nobody that has articulated faith like this. But this man understood that there was a supply of something that was coming out of Jesus. And it wasn't just coming from Jesus. It was coming from the Father. He saw an eternal kingdom of perfect supply. You know, the Bible can say God can open his hand and satisfy the need of every living thing. The question is, is God opening his hand over your life? Is God opening his hand over your city? Is God opening his hand over your province, over your nation? What enables God to open his hand? Listen, God's heart is already this. God's heart is to bless you. God's heart is to pour out on you. There's more, there are more supplies, more resources than God can pour out on any given nation than a nation can contain. God is just looking for somebody who can maintain that connection. Now, 
I remember a few years ago, I was watching this show, and somebody had, you know, a pup plugged uh, sewer system or something. And, and the, the big decision then was, okay, is the plug happening on our property or is it happening on the city's property? Wh- where's the problem here? Is the problem on my land? Because if the problem's on my land, I got to pay for them to dig up and fix my, the tubes here, the, 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 I don't know what you call them, the pipes from my house to the city lo- line. But if it's happening on the city line, then, then it's not my problem, and they have to pay for it and fix it. Well, here's the thing. I can guarantee you, when the supply of God is not arriving in its fullness upon your life, the defect is not with the administration of heaven. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to you. The, the defect is not on God's, God's side. God is saying there, saying, listen, I'm just looking for somebody to turn to me. I'm waiting for a nation to call me their God. I'm just waiting for a people, an individual. In fact, not only am I looking for an individual so I can bless them, I want to bless everybody. And if I could just find an individual who will pray for and stand in the gap for others, then I'll use their faith to bless others. Your ability to believe God... Your ability to connect with God will determine the amount of heavenly power that's flowing through your life. If your house suddenly browns out and you call the electrical company and the electrical company says, yeah, well, it's, you know, the, the factory or the, 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 the you know, Wabamim or wherever we're producing energy, it's still working. And all your neighbors have electricity. And uh, in fact, you know, actually your front light is on. It's just... This, this is an internal issue. Somewhere in your house, something is broken. God is saying to us this. Listen, there is more power available than you can conceive. Eternal life is available. Now, eternal life, you may think, ah, oh, it's such a Christianese kind of word. This is a spiritual language. The sustaining power of God to cause you to be able to endure the sustaining power of God to cause you to thrive in absolutely any scenario, any situation that you are in is available for you. And when we see this, this gross diversity of expressions of faith from people who have small faith to large faith, what you see is a commensurate capacity, an equal portion of the life of God flowing to different situations, different churches. The reason why some nations are not blessed is because there is not a lot of faith in those nations, because faith is the electronic grid, the electrical grid that connects you to the power source that is heaven. And so God is saying, listen, I've got everything. This is a scripture from 2 Peter chapter 1. I've got everything that you need for life and godliness. And you might not have the ability today to be thinking about nations. You might not have the ability to be thinking about, about your city. Maybe, maybe you are so backed into a corner. The only thing you can think about is, how do I get by today and into tomorrow? Well, it doesn't matter what the level of your need is right now. Two things are important. One is that there is an eternal supply. There is a blessing. There is, there, is, there is ample resource for everything the earth needs right now. Ample, more than enough. In fact, God could snap his fingers 
and literally fix everything. But and some people, well, why wouldn't he do that? Because he he needs you to want what he wants, what he what he is, who he is. He needs you to accept that he is good. Because the 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 grid, what allows him to release that substance to you is faith. The electrical line, the copper wiring between you and heaven, so to speak, is faith. Do you believe that he is God? Do you believe? that he is good. How much do you really believe that today? Now, some of you might be thinking, ah, oh, uh, this is a bit of a heavy. I, I, don't know if I, could, I don't know if I could accept the fact that you're telling me that I don't, I don't believe. I'm not saying you don't believe. I'm saying you could believe more. It's kind of like the same message that Jesus shared to everyone. When he challenged them, he said to his disciples, he said, listen, have I been with you guys all already? How long have I been with you? And you still don't understand what I'm talking about. How long do I have to be with you? How many miracles do you have to see? How many signs do you have to see? How many healings do you have to see before you start to actually really believe? The ability to not trust ourselves, and that's what it is, because your ability to believe God is always countered by self-dependency. What Adam and Eve got when they took that tree, when they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they got, they got a dependency upon themselves. And God is saying, look, it, turn your heart. Just turn your heart towards me. Turn your hearts. Begin to cry out to me. Begin to seek me. Begin to long for me. Begin to believe me. Begin to read my word. Begin to, to fill your mind with the statutes of truth that will deliver you from this other system of power which is actually death this is the promise of god this is what god has for us god is for you when the angels came down the day that jesus was born they said peace and goodwill to mankind peace and goodwill it is the intention of god to pour out the goodness of everything that he has upon every nation upon every head, upon every person that believes, that turns their hearts toward him. God is for you. God is for you. God is, whether you are in Nepal, whether you are in South Africa, whether you are in Ireland, whether you are in Eastern Canada, the Southern United States, Taiwan, Japan, Bangkok, God is for you. I want you to release your heart, release your sound, release your faith that says, I believe. I pull upon my house. I pull upon my life the blessing of God. I pull upon myself that which will keep pestilence at bay, that which will keep death at bay, that which will keep destruction miles and miles away from me. I pull upon myself the blessing of God that has the power to repel Everything that the kingdom of darkness would put on my life. Be blessed.